Blog Talk Radio. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Welcome to Sylvia Global Radio. You're listening to Devoted Moms with Tasha and Regina, an hour of engaging conversation for women who embrace the career of being a full-time mom. Good afternoon, Devoted Moms, and thank you for tuning in. This is Tasha White with Devoted Moms. I am here with you all. Thank you so much for joining us, and I would love if you would um, send in your questions or email in your questions and let us know what you're thinking, and and you can kind of co-host with me today if you'd like. Um, You can reach me um, at Devoted Moms on Facebook, um, and... uh, and you can also reach us on Twitter, Tasha and Regina, um, and just send in your questions and let us know, you know, what you're thinking and how you're liking the show so far. Um, so usually this is the time where Regina and I talk about uh, how our week was and anything, any ups and any downs or anything like that. So I guess I can tell you guys how my week has been, and then you can, um, you know, maybe call me or uh, email me and tell me how your week has been. But I actually had a phenomenal weekend. Uh, Last Thursday, if you were able to join the show, I was calling in from the beach, and it was a girl's trip. So devoted moms out there, I'm telling you, sometimes you just need to get away. And so not that I don't love my children and not that I don't love my husband, but it is nice to just be Tasha for a few days, and that's what I was. I was just Tasha woke up whenever I felt like it, took naps, took walks on the beach, and it was it was just an amazing, fun time. So I was there from Thursday to Sunday. I'll tell you, I have been such a better mom because of it and wife. <laughs> so I guess you'd have to ask my kids and my husband if that's the case, but I think I've been a better mom. Um, and another pretty awesome thing is the group of women that I went with um, are very healthy. They eat very healthy. They exercise. And I'm kind of one of those um, that does it for a little while, and then I fall off, and then I do it again, and then I fall off. I mean, I've, my 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 diet's pretty good, but I will say that I can sometimes be a comfort food eater. So sometimes, even if something really good happens or something not so good happens, I tend to want comfort food, and so um, I'm learning how to to shift that so that I cope with something that may stress me out differently than just going to get a burger and fries. In fact, I had kind of a rough day yesterday. Ended up being a phenomenal day, actually, but just a little bump in the road, as, you know, we all have. And, you know, my husband was like, would you like me to get you a burger and fries and Coke? (laughs) He knows me so well. And, you know, part of me wanted to say yes, and I said, no, you know what? I don't want that. Um, And I put on Pandora, and I clicked on my gospel station, and I started listening to, to music, and music really for me, I don't know what it is for you, but music always changes my mood. And and it doesn't even really matter what it is, but, you know, if I'm kind of in a dancing mood, I may put on my pop station or my hip-hop station, um, my old-school station. Sometimes I'm in a singing mood, and I just want to hear, you know, Whitney and Jennifer Hudson, so I'll do, like, my R&B mood. Yesterday I did my gospel, and I, it quit changed um, my mood around and then um, soon after that I had a girlfriend email me and just asked if I would continue to lift her and her family up in prayers her mom is going in for surgery Um, they found cancer in her breast so she's going to have a mastectomy tomorrow and just wanted us to lift you know lift up her mom in prayers and so when you pray for somebody else it actually changes your perspective on what it is you're going through and even though I don't take away that I had kind of a rough start of my day, it's just nothing compared to my girlfriend, my really good girlfriend, sitting by her mom's side and going through this kind of rough time. You know, they don't know how much cancer is in there until, you know, they get in there. And so she's, you know, rightfully just kind of scared and worried. And so, you know, I took that time to pray for her and kind of take the focus off of, of what was going on with me. And like I said, it, my day ended up great. So uh so I um so that was my day yesterday. Um so I'm doing better with my eating like I said from the beach um and so in my coffee mug today it's not coffee but it's actually a juice/shake. So we bought a juicer 
about two weeks ago, juicer, Nutribullet kind of thing. And so we've been experimenting with different drinks. And so this one I actually like. So today I'm drinking, let's see if I can remember it. It has spring green, avocado, an avocado, a mango, a cup of raspberries, and an eighth of a cup of cashews and an orange. It is actually quite tasty. And I wouldn't lie to you. I will continue to drink it, but I tell you, this one's not so good. But actually, this one is good. So if you want to try it, if you're kind of, you know, experimenting, try that. Spring greens, a cup of raspberries, an orange, a mango, an avocado, an eighth cup of cashews, and some water, of course, some water. So that's that's really how my last week and then the beginning of this week is going. Business is going well. The kids are fabulous. Just had a uh, parent-teacher conference with my 13-year-old, and uh, she uh, is doing very well. She's doing very, very well. You know, um, for a seventh grader, I've, I've just heard different stories of a lot of bumps and, and, and obstacles you have to go through with a seventh grader um, and a girl that, and uh, she's doing very well. So today has been a phenomenal day um, as well. So um, moms, if you are turning in devoted, tuning in, excuse me, devoted moms, again, thank you for tuning in um, to sylviaglobal.com. And uh, today, um, Regina and I were going to talk about mental health, and this was probably going to be a two or three part series because I think we could talk about this for a while, and I think it's a conversation that we really need to have, but how does mental health affect us as devoted moms? You know, what um, What can we do as moms to help with mental health and deal with different issues? So you have mental health as far as us personally, us as moms. Are we really checking in with ourselves and making sure we're okay? And if we're not okay, it's okay to say that. It's okay to say that we're not okay and check in with somebody. You hear us talk all the time, couch time. Um, we are advocates of couch time. And so um, we really encourage that if you're feeling something, not feeling right, not feeling the same, go and talk to somebody, even if it's for two or three sessions, just to get some things out, to get some feelings out, um, and whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, and just to check in. And this is the same thing that we do for our physical health. When something is just not right, uh, when something is off, when you, when you have a headache when you usually don't have headaches or there's a pain that you've never experienced or you get tired a little quicker than you usually do from a walk, we immediately go to the doctor, just check it out. And sometimes he may say, you know what, I don't see anything, you're just fine, and you get through it, and then other times they might find something. And so that's the thing with our mental health. We should take it just as seriously as we do our physical health. So that's to check in with ourselves, us as devoted moms. Um, but then how do you go and take it a step further when it comes to our children? And how do we recognize it? What do we do? What do we say? How do we have a conversation um, with our children about their mental health? And again, we're really easy, you know, it's really easy as devoted moms. When we see something physical with our children, we are on it. If they're bleeding, we put a Band-Aid on it. If they're hurt, we kiss their boo-boo. If it's more serious, we take them to the doctor like that. I know as a mom of three that there are definitely times that I'd rather go to the doctor and him tell me it's nothing than to to wonder, kind of wait and see with my children and, and, and take a chance that it could be something serious. You know, when my daughter climbed out of the crib um, and fell, she didn't cry. She kind of winced a little bit, and that was it. And we could have just said, well, I guess, you know, she's okay. I kind of squeezed her arms and her shoulders and everything, and she seemed just fine. But then she was just a little off for the next kind of 15 minutes. I watched very closely, and she was just off. And so I took her to the doctor, and she had a hairline fracture in her wrist. Um, and so those are things that we, you know, you're tuned into your child. And a lot of times I think we're tuned in physically, but are we tuned into them Mentally. And so today I thought that we would chat a little bit about, um, you know, what what are some of the signs. And then I wanted to also just um, send out a prayer and thoughts to the families in Boston and the families in Texas. Just two tragedies that have happened back to back. And, you know, I can't imagine kind of what the people in that area are feeling right now. 
Um, I won't even speculate what they're feeling, but I'm sure it's just um, a plethora of feelings. And so I send my thoughts and my prayers out to them right now. Um, you know, it's just a scary time, especially for families in Texas who are not even sure if their loved ones are okay. And I can't even imagine that feeling. I know I have um, a lot of family in Boston. Both sides of my mom and dad's family live in Boston. I have an uncle that used to run the Boston Marathon every year. Um, he's no longer with us, but if he was, he probably would be there, uh, would have been there on Monday. And so, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I don't know which one of my family members may have been out to watch and cheer and, and or in the area. And so I just wanted to check in and make sure they were all okay. And thankfully, I did hear from my family in Boston and everyone there is fine, um, but a little shaken up. And so my thoughts and prayers are definitely with those families, not even of the families just that were injured or who have, who have expired, but just people that were there. That is just a tragedy that will take some time to get over and to get through, really, not even over, but just to get through, to see some of the things that they, they witnessed. You know, the, the television and media have showed, you know, a few things, and I would imagine over the next couple of days, they'll probably start taking back the things that we've already seen. Um, but it's nothing compared to what what people saw that were there. So um, I definitely send a prayer out for you as well that you're able to sleep at night um, and that you also are able to maybe seek some couch time um, just to get through this tragedy, even if you were not hurt physically, even if no one you knew was hurt physically, but you were there and you were a part of this process, it can be rough. And so it's okay to ask for help for your mental health. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Again, how do we, how does this relate to us as moms? How do we talk to our children about these kind of tragedies? There's like the tragedy that happened in Newtown, the tragedy that just happened in Boston, and then of course the tragedy this morning from Texas. How do you explain this to your children? What is age appropriate? You know, how are they feeling about all this stuff? So um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Um, so I think the first thing that you should just be proactive. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Just, just be proactive. Um, start the conversation with your children. Don't wait for them to come to you or, oh, well, he's not saying anything to me, so I guess he's good, so we don't need to talk about it, because they're talking about it with each other at school. Um, the teachers might even mention something, even if they don't go into it in full detail, um, but they know about it. They're not um, immune to it, and uh, they are they are feeling it as well. So think about I think about even back when Newtown the shootings in Newtown happened, and they were, you know, six and seven, five, six and seven-year-old children. We have a seven-year-old. So we were imagining this call, this tragic call, that something tragic has happened to the school, and what my seven-year-old looks like, and all of those kids looked like him, and what that would have meant to us if that had been our school and our elementary school. And so we were hit pretty hard with it. Um, so those same things that we're feeling as adults and as parents, our kids feel that too. Um, maybe not to the extent that we do, but they feel something. And so be proactive and and let them know you can talk about how you're feeling and what you know what you're feeling. Don't avoid the tough conversations. Um, it is a tough conversation. Death and bad things and evil things that happen. Um, especially things that happen that are out of our control, they happen. And it is a tough conversation to have, um, and it's not fun, it's not light, um, but that is just part of being a parent. You have to have this conversation sometimes. Unfortunately, you really do. We wish that we didn't. We wish that they could just stay children and you could talk to them about lollipops and bubblegum, but that's not always the case. So have the tough conversation. Um, and then also you can just let them know God has your back. God, God has you. He's still watching over us, um, even in tough times. He has not left us. So if you uh, have a spiritual faith and a spiritual walk, and you practice that in your family and in your home, then definitely during a tragedy, it's time to really know that they can lean on God um, to get them through the tough times. Some of the steps in this conversation with your children. First step, listen. 
you know, you don't really know what they're thinking. Well, how are they processing this? What's going through their mind? We shouldn't assume. And you shouldn't just start talking away and, and talking about things that may be over their head, that may not be age appropriate. Maybe they weren't thinking that at all. You know, you don't want to throw out, oh, I know that you're scared to go to school thinking that you might get shot or, or that there could be a shooting. You know, you may not want to say something like that. Now, maybe it is that's what they're feeling. So if it is what they're feeling, then you need to, to address it. But if they're not, you don't want to put then an additional fear into their, into their minds and their hearts if that's not what they were thinking. So in our quest to solve everything, be the fixer as parents, the first step is to listen and just listen and let them talk about what it is they're feeling and thinking. Um, and then you go from there. Um, and then answer their questions. If they're asking the questions, they're old enough to hear your answer if they're asking the question. Um, so it's obviously something on their mind, something on their heart, something that they're feeling, and just answer it as honestly as you can. Even with the answer, I don't know. Kids will be okay if we answer, I don't know. Um, I think that they will, in the, in, in the future, really respect us for being able to say, I don't know, and to show that even as parents, we're not superheroes, and sometimes we're vulnerable as well. And then lastly, depending on how old your children are, but this would probably really, um, this would really kind of speak to any age. Monitor their screen time. Monitor their screen time, how much they're watching on their computer or on their television, just so they're not getting bombarded with images over and over and over again. Um, I know when Michael Jackson died, for example, my son was just, he just wanted to watch all about Michael Jackson for all the time. He talked about him all the time, but he had a dream about him. And so we really were very cognizant of if we were watching television and something came on about about um Michael Jackson went ahead and turned just because he was dealing with his death so personally for some reason. Um, so that's just kind of some of the steps in speaking with your children when it comes to how to deal with stress and cope with stress and cope with tragedy. Um, you may have a child that's just extra sensitive and takes on some of these tragedies very closely. They may not even be in the same state as the situation that just happened. But you can tell that from the from that day on, something's just not right about your child. Again, this is one of those times. It's okay to hey, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to you know take my child in and just say, let's check him out like you would if you took him to the doctor. Let's check him out and make sure he's doing okay. I think Gail Sylvia is going to join our show today and kind of help. Um, you know, give some of her thoughts on what we've been talking about. Gail, are you there? Hi, I am here. Hey, how, how are, are you? you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks. I, I want to jump in here and, you know, tell you that I sure appreciate you. We're so glad that Devoted Moms is is a part of Sylvia Global and that you guys work through this technical piece because we're um, – taking technology into entire new territories here. I know. Yeah, and make it accessible. So Thank you. I'm here for you and to participate in the conversation with you, but I did just join, so I don't know where you you left off. I heard Oh, okay. Well, I was basically kind of just going over how we talk to our children um, and how we, we help them cope with stress when there's different tragedies. And so this show is definitely talking about mental health, but, but due to the couple of tragedies that we've had just this week, we thought that it would be great to integrate some of um, how you speak to your children just to get through some of the tragedies that we just experienced. And so I just kind of went over different steps, um, three steps specifically when talking to your child about a tragedy. And the first one is just to listen and not necessarily interject at the beginning, but just listen and find out what it is they're thinking and what they're feeling and just let them know you are there for them. Um, the second step is to answer their questions. Just answer their questions honestly, um, because if they're asking the question, then they're ready to hear. They're possibly ready to hear what you have to say about it. Um, and lastly, monitor their screen time, their computer time, 
or what they see on television so that they're not inundated with, you know, images from, for example, the, the Boston tragedy on Monday, you know, and some of the, the pictures have been very graphic. And so in t talking to our children, sometimes it's best to just talk to them and not necessarily show them everything because they just may not be ready for that. Their, you know, their mental state may not be ready for all that. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Julia? Yeah, you know, I do. Uh, I think that those are really incredible tips. Um, I think depending upon the age of the, the children as well, um, mm -hmm. the, the faith element will come into play. You know, why would God let right. something like this happen? Mm -hmm. You know, something bad happened to good people and right. innocent people. So I think it's also a really valuable opportunity for parents to to be able to say themselves. We don't always know the answers to everything, right. but there is a good and loving God who does understand and that we do know there are bad people, you know, that do bad things in the world, but that doesn't change our faith and our trust in God to bring something good from it. You know, it may take time, a lifetime, um, and sometimes we don't get to even see that, but uh, these are also opportunities to have those types of discussions as well and to be in, in, in our case as Christians, to be in prayer with mm -hmm. in order to ask the Lord to help us understand and discern um, and what we can do that can contribute to the good in the world and then be praying for the decision makers over upcoming events, praying right. for the families and the victims. And just having that discussion. Right. Oh, I agree. That's that's great point. And I think too, with specifically with with the run um, on Monday, and I, I have some friends who are runners, and you know they've been running in solidarity for for all the victims of Monday, and just kind of showing that even though we're going through this rough time, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep living, and we're going to keep moving, and we're going to keep running. And so if 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 it was their intention to somehow get us to divide, stop running, stop the marathon, whatever their intentions were, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. That we're going to continue to unite together, like you said, be together in prayer, run together, and show them that this didn't this didn't stop us. It, it, you know, it's a shot. It's a it, it shot us down. It's a blow, but you didn't stop us. Right. You know, um, whenever we face tragedy. Um, directly or especially of this magnitude, I think a key word that you just used is that solidarity. Mm -hmm. How how that pulls out of us this solidarity that otherwise we would never have experienced it. You mm -hmm. know pure hate having to experience it around, you know, tragedies, but seeing so many people of like heart and mind come together and be solidly committed to yes. good, you know, always helps my spirit to feel hopeful and less discouraged. Because yes. when we first hear about, get the news of tragedies of this magnitude, you know, the, the children, you know, in, you know, in Connecticut, you know, right. September 11th, you know, the daughter. Mm -hmm. India and what happened there with the girls there, you know, it just weighs so heavily on our spirit that, you know, it, it, it can't help but affect us. Right. We want to remain compassionate people and we want to remain compassionate as parents in teaching our children to be compassionate, but it becomes so overwhelming. So being able to help our children and our family become a part of that solidarity around mm -hmm. good and doing something good collectively actively with others to advance the good um, and let the good also have presence and um, impact. Right. I think, uh, something that we, you know, that we can, that, that's important for us to keep in mind and to use as opportunities to help our own souls heal from the hurt as we grieve and mourn and pray for those that mm. have experienced loss. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and I agree. I agree. You were sharing um, earlier about your, you know, your your friend and um, her mom mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. cancer experience. Even even at that personal level, and when it's not at the magnitude of like a Boston marathon, right? 
the opportunity to to be engaged with um, to demonstrate love, you know, right. be a part of that process seems to do something, at least for me personally, that creates more cells within my heart and my mind Aww. around the magnitude and the importance of of being present, you know, right, right, being present in any way, even if it's um, it's a conscious presence or it's a prayerful presence or it's a physical presence. I think all of these elements are a part of assuring the mental health and wellness of right. our children, of our family, and as as nations and as humanity. Wow. That's true. That is so true. Like you said, it's on a. It can be on a personal level because I know sometimes we think, "What can we do?" You know, when it, especially when it's something big. How can I help? What can we do? And like I said, for the run for the for Boston, you can maybe you know put your racing shirt on. You can start running if you're not a runner. Maybe you start. Um, but even being there for somebody, just a friend or somebody going through a rough time, and it's just one on one. You know, helping change one person's world does change the world because we're part of the world. Um, and so just helping whoever is in your world and being there for them in any way that you possibly can is 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 doing your part. Right. Um, so you don't have to feel as if, like you said, hopeless. What can I do? Where do I go? Do that. Yeah. Start there. I think that, and that helps in our own mental health wellness, you know, mm -hmm. because... We are affected by others. You know, we are all connected. And we can stay connected. And I think it's a choice. We can choose to stay connected on the, the good side or on the right. negative side. So um, one of the comments that you made when I, you know, came on, when I was waiting to come on, was around limiting the amount of exposure to the mm -hmm. negative side. And right. Because... Uh, and, and as a habit, you know, we don't watch the news. I mean, we watch more news during uh, moments of tragedy of such magnitude like September 11th or mm -hmm. this week with Boston um, and then last December in Connecticut um, or January. You know, just, January, yeah. you know, like our hearts were just like in such a state of disbelief and mm -hmm. shock that we wanted to like learn what was going on. And then at some point we have to turn off the negative. Turn it off. You just got to turn it off, and then um, not maybe not be able to fully yet disconnect emotionally or mentally from the grief, but to find and choose a different channel. And mm -hmm. that channel is, I think, for our own mental again health and well-being, and our collective mental health and right. well-being. It's what can we find that's good in, you know, what good can come from this? So the solidarity piece, you know, choosing consciously to do um, something good. And we every, every time we see evidence of humanity's goodness rising from the ashes right. of such terrible despair. Yeah. That's true. Wow. You, know, you don't see my 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 current picture. I'm gonna take the camera off for a minute so you can see why. Like, okay. This is, this is, <laughs> yeah. Now what? Now what is going on with the Pullen household? <laughs> yeah, I have to hear this explanation. You know what? <laughs> yeah, you're throwing me off. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're so blessed, you know, to be surrounded by goodness in every form. And so one of our good blessings is that, um, you know, our niece, Dana, who you know, she yeah. has a, a new baby. Right. And uh, um, Elijah, who is just 12 weeks old, and then she has two-year-old Isabella. So Isabella, they're here this morning, and she came in the room, and they call me Sasha, and she put these it was like, <laughs> I figured that's what it was. <laughs> and then I thought, ooh, I'm not sure I'm ready to go on. To go live. Yeah, with, you know, no makeup and antlers on my head. But you know what? It is a choice that I've made. 
as a part of my own appreciation for life mm -hmm. and blessings that are in my world at this moment, this time, and whether it's technical, um, right. unexpected, you know, circumstances, or it's antlers on the ear when you least expect it. <laughs>
So if you know your child and you know what they're capable of, you know, they may not be, you know, A students all the time, um, but whatever, wherever they are, whatever their norm is, if it, something shifts and it starts to decline from where they usually are, that's a sign. Now, it could definitely be something that's going on in the home that's um, causing them to decline. And so it shows itself in a physical manifestation. You see the grades of the progress report, and it's just not looking as well as, as, as it used to. But if you kind of peel that back, then what is it that is occupying their minds and their hearts where they just don't have enough to give to their schoolwork? And so it's not always a matter of they're being lazy or they're being, um, you know, they just don't, they don't respect, they're not showing respect, and they better get in line. Now, granted, I am a very strict parent, and I have rules. And uh, so I make sure that my children's grades are on par. But at the same time, I'm able to kind of go behind that and say, okay, are there some reasonings, are there some things going on where it was why we're seeing a decline? And could it be that something's going on inside here? inside their minds or inside their hearts that's just so heavy uh, that schoolwork just is too much. There's only so much we can take. I mean, we know this as moms, right? Only so much we can take. Sometimes we just have to breathe and, and, and say no to something because it's just too much on our plate. And that could be exactly what your child is experiencing. So you want to do a check-in and find out what's going on with them in their hearts and in their minds and just make sure that there's not something there that could be really bothering them. And if you as a parent are someone that just have not been able to get that out of your child, then, you know, that saying, it takes a village. I know for me, Regina is my children's godmother, and they have her phone number, and they can go to her and talk to her about things that maybe they just don't feel comfortable talking to me about. And I don't think that's a slight against my, me as a mother, but there may be some way that she connects with them that makes them feel more comfortable to talk about a certain subject. And I would rather that my kids do that than not talk to anybody at all. So that's the first step. If you're kind of seeing a decline, um, poor grades to, to despite the strong effort. So you see that they're trying really hard, but their grades are just not climbing. So this could be, again, this could be something that is a learning disability. And even with a learning disability, there are some, some times of depression that are locked in with that. Because they can't get it right, because the numbers look all garbled and the, the, they can't get the letters right, that then in turn can sometimes depress them and make them feel like, why can't I get this like all my other friends are getting this? And so you, these are two things that you definitely want to speak to your children about. What do you think um, so far? Do you have any comments on that, Sylvia? I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think that um, mental illness and mental issues um, get confused sometimes with be you know like behavior and discipline when there may be something else that's going on that's more severe. And so finding the right um, resources to help um, diagnose and discern and mm -hmm. through that. I think it would be a great topic here on Devoted Mom with some experts um, and people experienced um, both as parents and in the field um, having a discussion. I think it's probably a lot more prevalent than uh, most of us might think because it's one right. of those places where you would feel isolated and alone. You don't share right. any concerns, uh, whether it's the denial or if it's just... Um, not really knowing what you're dealing with and okay. who do you go to, who do you talk to. And I think there's also still in our society, even though it may be less than a generation ago, I think there's still a stigma associated with mental illness. Definitely. And so uh, we may not keep Uncle Joe like in soul food, you know, locked up in the room. <laughs> 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 you know, but, you know, I think that um, it's a lot more prevalent, um, mm -hmm. especially with children that we realize, and it's wonderful that you're having this, that this is a place to have that discussion so that parents don't feel alone and can also get resources and questions answered. Right. I agree. Um, another sign is constant worry or anxiety. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a big one. And if you're just seeing that your child is 
always worried and has nervous, even some nervous kind of habits, like biting their nails or picking their nails or maybe even picking their hair, uh, their eyebrows, or, you know, different things that they're doing, especially if it's something that, they're, that you're not used to seeing them do. But if they're constantly worrying um, or nervous, this is, um, this is something that you may want to talk with somebody about. And maybe whatever is going on with them is just too heavy for them to handle. And so it's just causing some serious anxiety for them. And again, this can look like different things. You know, maybe they're sleeping a little bit more. They're not, you know, um, you know, you just don't see them as happy and as joyous all the time. And uh, so it's, you know, it's hard for us because we think, okay, all you have to do is go to school. All you have to do is, uh, you know, play with your friends and go outside and your life is great. And, you know, you may even think you don't have bills, you don't have credit cards, you don't have to go to a job, you don't have a mortgage, you know. And so what do you have to be nervous about or anxious about? Um, but again, if we kind of go back to where they're coming from, if we go back to their world and what they're feeling, there may be something going on in the world, like what happened on Monday that is just affecting them and they don't know how to talk about it. There may be something going on with them personally, um, something at school or something with a friend that really hurt them to the core. And just like Sylvia just said, and they feel alone. You know, they feel like, well, mom and dad have probably never experienced this. I'm the only one feeling this. And so, you know, they keep it inside. And again, if you're not the person, if you're not the parent for whatever reason, they can't, they feel like they can't come to you, then that's another opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm just going to take you over to Dr. So-and-so, and he's going to help us. He's going to help us, you know, kind of learn and and relate to what it is that you're going through. So um, we have a, a question from a mom, a devoted mom in Seattle. Thank you so much for your question, Susan. She's asking, she said that she suspects that her child is being bullied at school, but he won't open up. Um, so what do I suggest? Again, does this kind of really speak to what I just said? There may be something there where he's just not feeling 100% comfortable talking to his mom about it or his dad about it. And um, and so this is the opportunity to maybe take him to see somebody. And um, when you leave the room, he may just open up and he may tell a lot of things that you really didn't even know was going on with him. Um, but the key that I really want to point out, Susan, and I want to really commend you for is that you notice there's something. And we as moms have this to intuition. We have it as women with our relationships, and then we have it with, with as moms with our children. And you're feeling like, eh, something just isn't right. You know, it may not be very blatant and, and open and, and, you know, just slap in the face. But it's just that little thing that's telling you something is, is going on with your son. And so I, um, or your daughter, I'm sorry, you said your child. So um, I definitely would suggest, you know, looking and seeing what your healthcare provider will, will help out with and just kind of going in and talking to a doctor the same as you would if you took him into um, a, a doctor for something physical and you say, hey, you know, I don't see anything, but he's kind of walking weird and something's going on with his leg and I don't know what it is and can you just check it out? I think that's the same way that you approach his mental health. And maybe it's not bullying, maybe it's something completely different, you know? Maybe, you know, maybe it's going to go down a line that you didn't even know existed. But I think just finding out and talking to a professional will give you some some direction on what to do next. Uh, so Susan from Seattle, I wish you, you know, all the luck, and I would love if you would, you know, just come back and reach out to us here and let us know, you know, how else we can help you. Uh, oh, we have another uh, question from Vermont. Hi, Imani. You are a mother of a six-year-old, and you think that his temper tantrums are deeper than a behavior problem um, because anger management is something that you struggled with for years, um, as did your father. So. Um, you're struggling with this in your thoughts. You know, I watched a show. I don't know if you guys watch Own, Oprah's station, and she's got Ian Van Ben on there has a show. And so she had um, a recent show where she talked about the history of pathology and how things get passed down. And a lot of times we either are not aware of it at all or we're very aware of it, but we have no idea what to do about it. And again, Imani, I want to say, 
you know, commend you for recognizing that he's not just being, you know, <clears throat> he or she's not just being a bad little boy or girl. Um, and also not kind of blowing it off and saying, that's oh, just what six-year-olds do. Um, because it's not only just what six-year-olds do. You know, there is definitely kind of a gauge of what is normal. But if it's something that persists or if it's something that just seems deeper, I definitely suggest that you look into it further. Um, again, use that mom intuition that we have where we think, hey, no, something is going on with my child. And don't let anybody tell you that you're crazy or you're just sensitive or you don't know what you're talking about. I definitely, if you've dealt with anger management and you possibly maybe have a professional that you seek to help with yours, that you first go to, to your anger management professional and see if they have any suggestions on maybe uh, someone that can speak to your child that deals with children and their anger specifically, or maybe even the professional that you see can also see your child. Um, and then some tips on what you can do at home to help. Um, and then it may be something that your child, and you know what, you're, you're teaching your child at an early age that it's okay, whatever it is you're feeling, whatever it is you're going through, it's okay. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm your mom, I'm your dad, we're your family, and we're here for, for you. And whatever it is, we're going to deal with it, we're going to work with it, we're going we're gonna to work through it together. You're not by yourself. And then number three, it's okay to talk about it. You're not alone. It's okay to talk about it. You can tell us. You can tell, you know, your doctor. Your doctor is your friend. Um, and we are, you can talk and you can let it out. And you're already teaching your six-year-old how not to hold it in. Um, and also just giving him or her the tools to, to just be able to handle the anger. Because sometimes when those things come up, they're going to come up. Whatever triggers it for, for your child it's going to come up. And so it's not about trying to get him to just completely stop and, you know, stop doing that, but how can you better give him um, tools to channel what he's feeling um, and channel it a little differently um, and tools that will help him cope with it just a little bit differently. We also have a question from Bakersfield. Larry is a single dad of two children, and he sought counseling for himself and found that changing his behavior helped and didn't require him to be put on medication. But just to set guidelines, spend time alone with them, dad dates, things like that. Um, and he just recognizes that he didn't have this growing up. And so it helped all three of them, um, which is incredible. Uh, and I think that that you, you hit the nail on the head, Larry. You're there for your children. You, you receive some counseling. It wasn't always about medication. In fact, I feel like medication is the last resort. I'm not against it because there are times when you need it. You know, just think about people that have high blood pressure. A lot of times you can change your diet and your exercise, and that may get you off some medication, but sometimes you still have to maybe take one thing for blood pressure. That's the same with mental health. Sometimes you can change behaviors. You can start new habits at home. You can talk about it and get these feelings off of your chest. And a lot of times that would that would do great. And then but then sometimes it does need to be maybe backed up with a little bit of medication. So I really like that comment, Larry. What do you think about that, Sylvia? You know, I, I think that everybody's circumstances may feel um and be a little bit different from the, the person next door mm -hmm. or the person down the street, but finding what works for your family and for you that brings the greatest peace, sanity, and joy. Uh, and I'm also not a big proponent of uh, medicines, but there are circumstances where it's it it's needed. You know, it's absolutely um, helpful. You know what else? I read, remember the book. Um, you may have it. Your children are older now. Good night, Moon. Uh, yes. Time. Children's story, good night clock, good night moon. Yes. Well, I recently bought a copy. I saw a copy and bought a copy for our, our grandchildren, um, good night iPad. And <laughs> it's the same, similar illustration style, uh -huh. the same size and color as the original good night moon. But it's really about turning off the technology, you know, turning off all the things that overstimulate us. Uh -huh. that part of our environment now, especially for those of us in the United States and 
um, probably other parts of the world, but the technology, yeah. just turning off, there's one page in the book where the grandmother is pulling away multiple um, remote controls from the TV from one of the children, and there's no <laughs> universal control, they're holding multiple, and they take, take the iBuds, the um, earbuds out of someone else's ears and right. the laptop from the father's lap and pulls the mother away from the the blogging, you know, and mm-hmm. just turning off the technology. And I think that that's a real important um, tip that yeah. is often ignored. And it's in like Larry is sharing, um, and I'm you know, we'll get this so these comments are coming directly to you, but you know, this comment about um, just that dad time, you know, that dad date time, just that quiet time, whether it's just reading a book or just Mm -hmm. walking, you know, just the quiet time, I think, helps to quiet ourselves and the atmosphere that we're in. And that's an important piece, I think, that we shouldn't overlook. Uh, Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think that is a a great note to end on, um, I think, quiet time and special time with your children. I mean, we definitely have that where, you know, we put our phones away and our laptops and our iPads and our Kindles and our, I could go on and off, um, but everything is put away, you know, and we don't always get to do it every night depending on kids' schedules and, and parents' schedules, but we definitely do enjoy that time together. And, of course, at the dinner table, is a perfect time for that. There's no no um, electronics allowed at the table during dinner, and that's our time to just be together and talk. And sometimes there's not a whole lot of talking going on, but we're together and just enjoying each other. So, you know, I, I think that goes a long way. Um, I really do think that this is 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 a continued conversation that needs to needs to happen. Um, I would love to possibly have some guests on the show next week who are who have walked this walk who have had to either work through some mental illness of their own or even possibly with their children uh, specifically. And just so how do I how do I cope as a mom with some mental illness issues or how do I cope with my child who's experiencing some mental illness? So if you uh, are listening to the show and you do have some experience with this, I would um, love to hear from you and um, possibly have you on. Um, next week so that, you know, we can hear some real accounts of how you got through it. Uh, So thank you again, Devoted Moms, for just always being there and uh, supporting us and, you know, bringing your questions in and everything. We, We are in awe and totally appreciate you. So thank you so much, and we will see you next Thursday at 1.30 Eastern. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.